Hello, Internet. This is Jose from Pop Culture Over Pizza. We're here with another episode, another pizza party, if you will, where we're all going to get together and discuss some topics. I am here today with the usual suspects, Walt. Hey, what's up, guys? Metatron. Greetings, followers. And Aesop Balrog will not be joining us this week. He's somewhere in Mordor having to deal with whatever it is that Balrogs have to deal with. Damn Gondorians. <laughs> you know how that is, man. They're always causing him all kinds of problems. But I'm here today with a couple of special guests. Uh, today we will be joined by Hafa. Hey, yo. And by Elias, who will be helping me with a segment. Hello. This week we'll be introducing a little bit of a new segment to the podcast, uh, basically what we've been geeking out over over the last week. Everybody in, in the podcast is going to talk a little bit about something that they've been nerding out like a maniac for the last week or so. Um, so Walt, why don't you start us off and tell us a little bit about what you've been geeking out about over the past week. Well, I've been trying to get into my reading lately and I uh, ended up starting Neon Genesis Evangelion, um, a manga that was done sometime in the 1990s. Um, so far, it's an interesting read. I haven't gotten through the whole thing. Where I'm technically right up to stage 13 of the manga, so I'm halfway through. Um, and it seems to be like a very interesting read. The only thing is, I wish that I could see the animated series. The animated series, for some reason, is no not available anywhere. Really? It's not on any streaming services. You can't buy it on iTunes. Um, I understand that there may be some DVDs and Blu-rays that you can watch, but those are like uber expensive. So the the main crux of the show is that it deals with this boy Shinji, mm -hmm. and um, what happens is is that there's a, a group of like these monsters called angels, and uh, nobody really knows about it, but they're bent on destroying the earth, and there's an, uh, a group of people that have made these huge robots that kind of mind meld, kind of like the way they do it in, in Pacific Rim, and they're called Evas. And so this boy, um, who was left by his father, mm -hmm. reunites with his father because his father wants to actually have him pilot one of these Evas. And it's a very psychological show. Um, it's a very deep show. And it's one of these shows that, when it first came out, was really transcending. It came out at a time when anime and manga was really suffering in Japan. It wasn't doing as well. And this kind of revitalized it. And it also became the inspiration from for a lot of anime and mangas going forward. So it's a very important piece. Um, and I suggest you go out and watch it. Sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good. Meta, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're geeking out about this week? Sure. On the topic of slaughtering angels, nice. Uh, yesterday was see, uh, well. Currently, Supernatural is on its fourteenth season, and episode two premiered. I mean, not premiered. See, episode two was yesterday, and from the from even from episode one, we got some pretty cool vibes. Cause I I, I won't spoil it per se, but. Let's just say one of the main characters has disappeared for the moment, and it's just left um, two of the other uh, main characters in dire straits. And I guess one of the things I have to critique about this is, don't get me wrong, I love the show, but they have this theme that they keep revisiting. And I touched on this on a uh, quick slice I had done. 
a couple of weeks ago. They, they keep going back to this desperation ploy, but it's, it's becoming overused by now. I get that it's a nice source of drama, but they, I, I feel like they can do more. They, it's still a good thing to use, but I feel moving away from that would be cool. But okay. in regards to episode two also, see, one of the a very, very big bad, let's just say, died last season. And they had, they, because you, one thing I will say about this big bad is when they killed him, because generally angels need to possess someone to, to interact with the earth, right? Mm -hmm. But what happened is when they killed this big bad, his vessel stayed alive. Oh. And that was like, yeah. what? So just the neurons that were firing in my brains is this... <laughs> Because essentially by leaving the vessel alive, it's like an open telephone line. And hmm. so, and what they've been doing with that is just been going over what happens when the particular entity that possesses this vessel, what happens to the vessel after the fact of possession. And it's just been really bonkers because there was actually a scare in episode two where this guy... He's, mind you, the possessing entity is gone, mm -hmm. but what happens is he, he, it's almost like it was instinct. When one of the primary characters was trying to console him, he got really irritated and did a move that is normally meant to end someone else. And just basically that, that was just such a crazy thing because it's like, is he really gone? So, my good friend Hafa, what have you been up to in the realm of geekiness? Uh, well, less, less, less so geeking out, more so, I guess you, one would argue, pop culture over pizza. But um, on Netflix, I know, I know I'm late to the party, but I actually just a couple days ago finished BoJack Season 5, and I know that you mm, have actually oh, finished yeah. it as well. Um, and I gotta say, gr good season, great season. Uh, creative, introduce new things, but I'm a little disappointed at how it ended because previous seasons have ended just leaving me shocked almost, leaving me thinking. However, here it seems almost simple, being taken in a direction that I'm not necessarily enjoying. It's a good conclusion, but it's not as satisfying as some of the previous has left me. And so the show has a legacy that it's kind of not... Uh, living up to as much as it was before. Mm. Uh, otherwise, on Netflix, I've been trying to... I'm going to be pushing into Gundam Unicorn. That's recently been up to. I'm a huge Gundam fan myself. Uh, not, the, not the specific show, but the, the brand, the genre of giant mech robots. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if I can, I've, um, I've recently been introduced to Evangelion. I'm going to see if I can find a way to see the anime, see if some of my friends might have a disc or such. There is a way to do it. We don't condone it, but there is a way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's about it for me. Uh, Jose, you got anything? Yeah, well, um, I guess this week, I, as uh, on the quick sites that I had released a couple of weeks ago as well, I am continuing to geek out about the Dragon Ball Super Broly movie that's coming out in Japan in December and in the United States shortly thereafter in January. 
Uh, I saw the new trailer recently and got a couple of new plot synopsis details, which are pretty cool. Um, so some of the new things that are interesting and something that I'm geeking out about is how Broly is being changed. For those who don't know about Dragon Ball Super, Broly is a character that was released in, in movie-only form a couple of decades ago and was not part of the official canon of Dragon Ball at any point. He wasn't created by Akira Toriyama, the creator of Dragon Ball. Uh, so Akira Toriyama is actually, um, he's actually rebooting the character, so to speak. I think Toriyama may have been involved in the character design, but not the actual storyline, by the way. But, so, what I've seen so far in the trailer, and my little buddy Elias is going to assist me with some of the cool stuff that he saw, um, but some of the changes. So, Elias, you saw that in the trailer that we saw, it looks like one of the first things that's kind of interesting, I don't know what you think, uh, is... You read the manga, actually. I haven't even read the whole manga, so he's actually more of a geek about Dragon Ball than I am. Uh, the, the Saiyans, Goku and Vegeta and Broly, or Kakarot, Vegeta and Broly, depending on what you say. Kakarot! Kakarot! <laughs> They're all around the same age, and I don't know, I think it's pretty cool because I think it's going to make for a better story. Did you like it in the original manga where Vegeta was a little bit older? Or do you think it's kind of cool the way that they're changing it a little bit? I don't know. What do you think? I guess it's kind of cool because, like, it's, like, really... What? Like, like what? What's different about it? Like the movie? Yeah, the, yeah, movie. the movie. Like, you know. So, like... I noticed that um, Paragus and Broly have joined the Frieza Force. Yeah, that's different too, right? Yeah. And that was always kind of different from the original where he just had no ties to Frieza. Um, the other thing that's kind of an interesting change besides that is that, uh, and you saw, what is it, with Paragus, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the change there? Because you remember in the original, Paragus was tied more to King Vegeta because King Vegeta tried to kill Broly when he was a little kid. But the difference here is he seems like he's a general that's kind of more his right-hand man. Paragus is more, Paragus, Broly's father, of course, is more tied to King Vegeta. And I kind of like that. I don't know. What do, what do you think about, like, how they've changed that a little bit? I, also, it, I think it's pretty cool, but I also think that it's cool that he was sent away by King Vegeta because it gives me an understanding about maybe if Broly hated Vegeta or how like how he wants revenge and it gives me an understanding about why they're fighting and the difference in the first movie was what he he really hated more uh goku because goku was crying when he was a little kid <laughs> so the silliness of dragon ball right yeah that's just like <laughs> i can't even explain it right <laughs> It was funny, like, maybe if you think about it, like, a long time ago, but, like, it seems like they're making Dragon Ball, like, more serious, even though it's still going to be funny, and, like, more interesting with stories, so I think it's kind of cool, too, that they changed that uh, from the original, where it's just, like, this goofy thing, where it's, like, I hate the sound of his crying, as opposed to, like, it being more about Vegeta, who's my favorite character, by the way, so for me... That's pretty cool that they're making Vegeta a little bit more of a focus, and hopefully, as we discussed a little bit earlier before we started talking, Vegeta doesn't get totally tanked 
by Broly and get his butt kicked all over the place like he did in the original movie. And they won't punk him out because in the first one, he was deathly afraid of Broly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that's totally something that's pretty cool, too. And the other, like, quick little detail that's kind of new and maybe won't have a lot of uh, effect on the story that you saw is, did you see what the new character, the new Sane character's name was? It's another vegetable. Beats. Beats. <laughs> or in Japanese, it'll be Bitsu, I guess. But it's just like the change they made, not to get too off topic, but in Dragon Ball Super, the character of Topo, they changed his name to Top in the English version. But, yeah, so me and Elias have definitely been geeking out about that, right? Yeah, that's true. Definitely the big manga, manga fan, I should say, over here of Dragon Ball. So that's kind of what I've been geeking out about uh, in this past week. So, we're going to roll right into our first uh, deeper dive of the week. Disney has finalized the film studio brass under Alan Horn, and it seems that Emma Watts has been confirmed to run the Fox contingent uh, of, of the, uh, or I should say, to run Fox under the Disney banner. And that uh, kind of ties into some other news about the entire thing, because we're all kind of curious as to how the X-Men and Deadpool can join the Marvel Universe. So, I mean, what do you guys think about this restructuring? Obviously, Fox has had a lot of trouble to get some of their better properties off the ground over the years. Um, now that they're under Disney, looks like they're still going to have a little bit of autonomy, if I'm reading this correctly, but Disney will have kind of the overarching you know, sort of control over the storylines. Probably a lot too diff different from how Sony and Marvel are doing it with Spider-Man, but maybe a little bit different. Uh, what do you guys think about how this is going to affect the Marvel Universe going forward? Well, ju just to give a little background, Disney um, was exploring the, the thought of bringing in Fox Studios. Comcast did make a play for Fox Studios also, if I believe I'm correct. Yeah, that's and right. And then, mm -hmm. um, but Disney, you know, using their power end up buying Fox and a lot of the reason that behind that is probably that they're looking for more content for their new uh, streaming service Disney Play mm -hmm. so this this works perfectly because now with Fox Studios you you bring back X-Men you bring back Deadpool but you also bring back um, the other franchises like um, Alien versus Alien Predator Avatar plus a lot of the other films that Fox is known for, especially Fox Searchlight, which is kind of like an independence film's darling. There's a lot of good films that come out of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I had first heard about Disney buying Fox, you know, I was a little, I was a little taken back by it because, you know, me being a comic book movie fan, for me, this, this kind of said, okay, it's great that now we're blending these two universes together but that also means we are going to get less movies because before you had the MCU bringing out at least three movies a year then you had Fox with their X-Men universe coming out mm -hmm. and now I don't think you're going to get as many the good thing about it is now you're bringing in these two entities together so the storytelling is going to be a little bit more robust um, and the good thing is that they have made the change. They're not going to keep that universe separate. They're all going to run under Kevin Feige, who is currently kind of like the showrunner. He's the guy that does all of the MCU stuff. So that's great. You're going to have a very unified and very focused storytelling on that point. Um, 
the other good thing is that a lot of the Fox executives are coming along into Disney. So to me, that means that hopefully they continue the Fox Studio brand much the same way that they have now. Way back in the days, Disney had Touchstone, and Touchstone usually was the one where they released more of their adult fare. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping they kind of do the same thing here. That's what it looks like, but it remains to be seen. Um, what do you guys think? Well, I was joking earlier. Like, you guys were touching on a lot of the technical stuff, but yeah. as far as, like, Deadpool is concerned, you guys know how in the, what, Avengers Age of Ultron, mm -hmm. you have Scarlet Witch and, what's his name, Quicksilver. And then Quicksilver is immediately killed off. <laughs> what I want to see, this is a little quip that I think would work so well. Because, you know, in the X-Men, they have Quicksilver. So what I want to do, what I want to see is when those two eventually get blended together, I at least want one quip from Deadpool that says... What the hell is happening to Quicksilver? <laughs> He's dead here, but wait, why can't we just bring mine? <laughs> that's true, yeah. That's kind of a, of a cool point because everybody really liked the Evan Peters Quicksilver and uh, it was the guy from, from the movie Kick-Ass whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yes, was a little bit less well-received. Probably not, not in small part because of that sort of ridiculous accent that they didn't really need to pull off, that they decided to get rid of when it comes to Scarlet Witch. But that would be kind of a cool quip, definitely, if they added Deadpool. As a matter of fact, that would be kind of a great thing if one of Deadpool's first movies or entries into the MCU was just a, a fourth wall fest where he just comments on the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> and how like weird it is to be part of an entirely different universe all of a sudden because that's something that Deadpool and Ryan Reynolds might do. But I think that that would be kind of a cool way to to enter into it. Um, what do you think about it, Hafa? Like, what what are your thoughts on the entire thing? Well, bouncing off bouncing off what Walt said, it's I actually surprisingly I'm not looking forward to this merge, and mm -hmm. it's because I was I was wholesomely satisfied with what I got from both studios. Disney produced great Marvel films, mm -hmm. and I, I I loved seeing everything everything following what the Iron Man 2008 film it just opened up this whole new world and it, it's it's what founded honestly the entire possibility for this podcast even to exist and so much more about yeah. nerd culture being opened up and at the same time uh I see like Fox making the X-Men films and specifically like things like First Class I'm I enjoyed and I don't think that even though Disney did Marvel films and Marvel properties, in my opinion, better, I don't think that I needed that much. I don't think I need X-Men or other un, undone Marvel properties to be that good. Like, with exception to, like, Spider-Man, because he's so central to everything. Mm -hmm. So, really, to sacrifice all of that and to get less, to get less individual uh, stories about... Oh, well, here's one mm -hmm. about uh, Professor X and his whole shebang. Now we have to get Professor X and the Avengers because they're a shared universe and because it'll sell more. I want more content, not necessarily more in-depth, because I think we're already in-depth enough. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the interesting thing about that is I kind of agree with you because this whole thing is a little bit of a double-edged sword. The fact that 
that Fox is finally going to join the MCU. And the reason I say that is because you kind of pointed it out, and it's pretty, it's pretty, a pretty great point that, in a sense, this podcast exists because of what they accomplished with the MCU, right? Nothing like the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, has ever existed in movies before, as far as I know, where there's this enormous shared universe with, what, now 10 movies or, or no, more, much more than that. With the MCU? The MCU has, we're way at, what is it, like, like 20 almost 20 something. movies, right? 20-something movies. So this enormous shared universe where there was this huge overarching story that they were building to the entire time, which, if you think about it, in terms of, like, screenwriting, in terms of, like, plotting, in terms of the characters you cast, in terms of what they do in, in the movies, in ter- and, and if you think about it, the fact that a lot of what you see on screen in the MCU is, is improv. They give them a setup, except for, obviously, the major set pieces or the major plot points. They give them a setup, and they say... Just go with it. You know, you know your character. Say what your character would say in this situation. Tom Holland. Right. Tom Holland be one of the bigger ones. Mark Ruffalo. Uh, you know, and there's a lot of improv in Thor Ragnarok. Some of the movies have more improv than others, obviously, because people like Robert Downey Jr. And, and, you know, and Chris Hemsworth really excel at it. But also, if you think about it, what they're doing is, like you said, they're taking a lot of great stories that were developing, maybe even, off the table. Now... I just have to say this because this is a big point for me. I actually really hated X-Men First Class with a passion. But the characters that they introduced in that movie were awesome. Except for the ones that were already dead by the second movie. And that's probably why they were dead. But you had this, this what was supposed to be, and we think we touched on this before, a new trilogy in the in the Dark Phoenix movie. That wasn't supposed to be a standalone movie. They were going to make that into three movies. And what happens now? Are we going to lose that? Are they going to just have this one Dark Phoenix movie and then all those those new people that they cast for for this new X-Men universe in Fox, well, they're all going to go away? The characters are great. I think Michael Fassbender is an awesome Magneto. Most definitely. Right, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and 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 um, you know, Professor X, uh, James McAvoy is awesome. We can lose Mystique. Mystique is Mystique is not great, and she doesn't want to do it anymore. No, so, so that's understandable. You know what I mean? She's kind of like she's not as bad, but you could say she's kind of like uh, Halle Berry as Storm. It's like she doesn't want to wear the blue paint. We know you're there. That's mm-hmm. why she had the costume in the last yeah. one, more so, right? Mm-hmm. So you're losing one of like the possibility of fleshing out one of the best stories X Men has ever told. Because, like, you know, now where do they go from here? So, well, in a did, sense, you're right. It is well, kind they of did, the They story. did the same thing with Civil War. And they've, they've, they've already touched on the Dark Phoenix saga in X-Men Last Stand. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we're retelling the story once again. Again and again know? and again. So, you know, the, the way I see the MCU, and, and I have to give them a lot of credit for this is that the way that they do it, um, they really treat their movies much like a show. You have Kevin Feige as the quote-unquote showrunner. Right, they're like super long episodes. Exactly. We're talking about probably like a a 40-hour TV show that you get to watch on the big screen. You know, So um, I have to give them a lot of credit. The thing I want to ask you guys, though, Mm -hmm. and you guys were talking about Deadpool, so I see that there's a lot of love for Deadpool in this room here. For sure. Yeah. Are you afraid <laughs> that Disney is going to neuter Deadpool? Because remember, the first two Deadpools were rated R. Disney really hasn't made anything in the MCU universe rated R. 
And so Deadpool is a very unique character in that way. He's built for a rated R film. Yeah. Yeah. Are you afraid that they're going to neuter him and try and, you know, force him, wedge him into the MCU universe as a PG-13 character? You know, when, when ASAP did his little quick slice on the Venom review, I actually really disagreed with him on the on the idea that Venom had to be rated R in order to be better. There had to be more blood, there had to be more gore. Because there there are other ways that you can nuance a story, that you can make it more exciting in order to get your audience better uh, better hooked. I, w- I will say this just really quick. While you're right in that first one where Venom doesn't really need to be rated R, if the next character is Carnage... Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- yeah. I think yeah. you have to go yeah. rated R. Cycle. And yeah. supposedly Venom was a rated R film, and they cut it down studio interference once again. Mm-hmm. And you can tell there there are elements of that where you can clearly see that there was another movie in there, but um, it was supposed to be rated R. That went down to PG thirteen. If we get a second one, I can't I, see I, if Carnage is the character. If you're gonna if you're gonna do Carnage justice, exactly. But I feel like Deadpool being included into a larger MCU does not need to be as does not does not need to be as adult per se. He's he's comic relief. There's there's more to him that can be explored. He's a simple comic relief character, but at the same time. At the same time, I really liked what Deadpool one. I wasn't a big. I wasn't a big fan of its sequel. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, um, it wasn't as good. So, it was. Good. If we're going to do Deadpool justice, then let Deadpool be alone and give him justice, or or give him the side characters like Colossus. Mm-hmm. These See. these sort of one off stories that that don't contribute much to the large MCU overarching story. Yeah. But just but are just kind of there so that way you can enjoy them and you can see you can have your Deadpool laugh. See, I I think though that where you make the point and I you know, I haven't seen Venom yet. I know a little bit about where they're trying to go with it with the second one. Um and as a spoiler alert, there is some thought because of the character that's introduced that Carnage, uh, Woody Harrelson, I believe, is in it, yeah. is going to be Carnage in the second Venom movie. But where that's different to me is, you don't have to have all those extra violent moments maybe in Venom in order to make that a better movie. Because from what I understand, they did a pretty good job in making it a little funny, making it kind of like a buddy comedy with the, yeah. with the thing between him and the suit, mm-hmm. uh, and between Venom him is, and the symbiote, right? Yeah, and, and Venom, Venom is, is a very weird character in the comics he is so that could work the only thing is that the way they marketed it was totally different from what you saw in movies right right which is which not not a bad thing not always yeah not always i think although that in this case it might have not been the best thing because again this is more me speculating Uh, i know that you know asap liked the movie but it seems like from what I've read in reviews, not just critics reviews, because you can't just go off of that, obviously. You have to see what people that you know and like, you know, fans think about it. It seems like the movie exists with a couple of different themes. It doesn't really merge as well as it should. But you know, I'm getting a little bit off of, of, of Deadpool here. The reason why I think Deadpool is a little different is because he's not just based on the violence. He's based on like the adult humor. Deadpool, even in the comic, 
is very much R-rated humor. And, and that's, that's something that is maybe not necessary, but I think it's important to the character because of the fact that he's the character that exists outside of the MCU and breaks the fourth wall constantly. He has to have a little bit of a different context, a little bit of a different theme into how he presents himself in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And by the way, I do agree with you, it would be kind of awesome if he was in the MCU, but he wasn't, because it's true that in the comics, sometimes his stories really have nothing to do with what's going on in the MCU, like some of the what-if stories where he killed the entire Marvel Universe in the <laughs> comics, for instance. And that, by the way, that would be an awesome one-off movie, I think. <laughs> <laughs> if he killed he the Marvel Universe, that would be awesome. And he, he but, read that book, right? You yeah, read I comic? read the first comic. <laughs> is, mm-hmm. But is Deadpool an appropriate character to be putting into the MCU for that overarching theme? Because if we take a look, we just, we're about to finish up Infinity War. Mm-hmm. That's happening next year. Would, if Marvel had, if Marvel had Deadpool yes. while they were in, in the process of making this Infinity War arc, is there any place that you really could have squeezed him in to no, have it make sense? Not really. It's not appropriate to the story. Not really. But you do want a Deadpool film, so what are you going to do with that? Well, I, I think it all depends on what happens with Avengers 4. Because quite obviously they need to reset their universe. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there's been talk <laughs> a lot that... Going on. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> been talk that we're talking about time travel um, in this next movie. So there could be an instance where we have another Thanos snap that resets the entire universe and all of a sudden, instead of like the House of M moment where Scarlet Witch whispered, no more mutants, we can have a a situation where by this snap happening, we have mutants now in this universe. That's also true. So there is is an avenue of doing this, um, but we won't know until Avengers 4 comes out. Yeah, that's true. And, And... One other last point that I have to make in terms of, like, I guess, Deadpool and... you got, you got to mention Logan in this same conversation, too. Uh, I mean, yeah. Disney, first and foremost, they are a business, right? And Deadpool and Logan made a buttload of money, rated R or not. <coughs> so, one thing that would be strange, especially, you know, Logan is in a sense gone. Hugh Jackman is done with the role unless, well, he did hint one time that if he could be in the Avengers, he would come back. So that's something to think about. But Deadpool, like, he's just getting started. Logan, or Hugh Jackman as Logan, has been around for like 20 years, right? It It would be kind of a sin to me to take the character that Ryan Reynolds basically created and launched. It's like his baby... Mm-hmm. And then remove him from that. And I think most people that really like that character, if they see Deadpool get recast or kind of cast off to the side, not in the sense where he's separate from the main story, I think that could still be a cool way to approach his character, but cast aside as he doesn't get any more focus, then I think that that would ruin the potential to make, again, a buttload of money on Deadpool because people are going to be like, what happened to Ryan Reynolds? He was great in the role. He basically inhabited Deadpool the way that Patrick Stewart inhabited Professor X. He was kind of, maybe not born to play the role, but he made it his own in, a, in an amazing way. Well, so, this, is, this is why I disagree with the merge. Well, yeah. Because you can't get your Deadpool fix now that Deadpool has to be incorporated here. The expectations that you're going to have set for the next Avengers film 
are going to be are going to have conflict if Deadpool's in the film and he's going to act entirely separate from those expectations. And hopefully they don't put him in it. Honestly. No, they they I I hope I hope otherwise. I hope I hope they they keep him out. Right, right, exactly. I hopefully hope they, they don't involve him too much in like the other Marvel MCU stuff. I mean, he does have to interact. But you could say, I mean, one one doesn't know what they're going to do with the Marvel Cinematic Universe from here on out because if they're playing with time travel like Walt said and like possible alternate universes then there's kind of your in to saying like, hey, Deadpool is part of the MCU, but he's actually not. So, I mean, I don't know. We could see how they end up doing that uh, depending on, on where it goes, when this merger goes through, and where they decide to take the story from here. Because if it's going to get cosmic, like, Deadpool doesn't really do cosmic stuff. Not as far as I, I can tell. Not as much as other characters, though. Well, speaking, I mean, Cable yeah, gets him involved in the some The power weirdness. cosmic very great power. Well, yeah, of course the power comic is a very great yeah. power. But yeah. speak, speaking of which, you know, we, we've got some stuff about Avengers 4 that came out. Um, there's a lot of speculation on what this this movie is going to be. Hold up, hold up, Jose. Just some heavenly intervention here from the Metatron. <laughs> um, there actually is kind of an instance where Deadpool has some dealings with the cosmic realm, because... Okay. In the yeah. comics, he actually gets involved with Lady Death. Oh, right, right. That's yeah. True. <laughs> and so that actually be a really cool thing. This, if he does get included in the MCU, uh-huh. it'd be a really nice... Well, see, here's the thing. You'd also have to get Thanos on that because... That's where the, the way, problem is a little bit, I think. Yeah. So go ahead. Because yeah. Thanos, at least in, in the Infinity War, as we've seen it, his focus isn't on Lady Death. His focus is on... A twisted, I'm doing this for your own good universe. Yeah. Uh-huh. But in the comics, Thanos originally set about trying to destroy the universe by getting the Infinity Gauntlet because he wanted to impress Lady Death. But yeah. what also happens... The cosmic entity, Lady Death. Yeah. What also happens is that Deadpool gets Lady Death hooked onto him and he doesn't really even... He just does his own thing and she like drifts towards him and so i could possibly see a movie where maybe thanos's um vision changes hopefully not too much you, you got to really find a way a good way to do it so yeah, um, yeah one no. way what well i was gonna say like just think of it this way and you can definitely uh, give your point on how you can do it they did make those changes to thanos for a reason because if you really ha- think about it if thanos was going after this cosmic character that we've never heard of before lady death in Infinity War, everybody would have been like, what the F is this? Like, we don't know what the heck is going on. Disappointing ending. This, it, would it would have been, been disappointing. disappointing. <clears throat> you think that Infinity War is a disappointing ending? Or you no, think no, it would I have been? I would, I if said it, it, it would have been. Because yeah. you're, gonna, you're going to say this entire arc and then <laughs> random thing we've never heard of. Exactly. Excuse me? Exactly. And you know, the, the, the funny <laughs> thing is, is that Thanos is... The, the great thing about the MCU when their villains are really good... Is oh yeah, they believe that they're doing the right thing. Yep, they're so, yeah. they're actually right. human, even exactly. if they're the Mad Titan Thanos. Exactly, in his yeah. twisted mind, he's not doing this because he's the mustache twirling evil die guy. <laughs> he actually yeah. believes uh-huh. that the universe <laughs> needs to be balanced. Right. You know what I'm yeah. saying so, um, br- like you said, bringing in Lady Death, 
it kind of cheapens the whole reason why he's doing it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So it made the character. You, you made an excellent point that Lady Death is kind of like a wild bug out <laughs> thing to bring into the MCU. This this gives what Thanos does more weight to it, even though he's crazy. But like, just to to get back to a kind of what what um, Hafa was saying over here, it it could be pretty funny if you think about it as a standalone movie. Like if we With keep Deadpool. Deadpool out of the MCU. As a goofy standalone movie, Dude, and it'll be Josh Brolin and Ryan Reynolds getting together again to make an awesome, funny movie. What if they just explored that story? They could make it a like a, a goofy romantic comedy with Deadpool, Thanos, and Lady Death. Half of you got to go pitch that to Marvel Studios right now. One never knows. <laughs> but Meta, you were going to say one way that they could do it real quick, and then let's move on to the Avengers Four stuff. Now that we are talking about Thanos. Well, yeah, that was I was actually going to reference half this thing. Yeah, see, so we yeah. are in agreement. That actually would be kind of a funny way. Get Kevin Feige on the phone. Yeah, dude, <laughs> we have some ideas too. But so yeah, let's get back on basically the Avengers possibly facing facing excuse me a threat greater than Thanos in Avengers Four. Walt, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you find out on that one? What you found out on that? So everybody's been speculating on on what Avengers Four is going to be. They've done a, a really good job in terms of trolling everybody. You had um, Hulk. I forgot what his name is. Um, the actor. Oh, oh Mark gosh. Ruffalo. Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo. Oh my gosh, I'm losing. Oh my God, it's Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo was on one of the late night shows, and he teased, you know putting out the Avengers title, which oh, yeah. we still have yeah. no idea what it is. Um, and there's been a lot of... People were actually going on and trying to lip-read what he said and stuff All and right. trying to figure out were what it like is. Were they messing with the audio and then, stuff too to remove the bleep? Yeah, and then you had the Russo brothers. They tweeted out a picture um, and you know they were teasing that as well, saying, hey, look, the answer's in the picture. You got to look at it. And the internet lost its mind trying to figure out what was in the picture then you had the last picture where they've wrapped production and there's just like this big giant blur of a of a light and he's saying hey, yeah guess what so they're they're really good at trolling us um but there is one thing that to note um somebody came out with the theory that the name of the movie is called avengers annihilation mm-hmm. and the interesting thing about that is that Disney was actually upset that that came out. So there is some... That might not be the title. Maybe they're just trolling us again. But there is some some possibility that that actually is the title. And if that is, um, Marvel fans know that deals with a specific character. Now, the thing about it, that character is Annihilus. He's traditionally a Fantastic Four villain. Right. So... um, are we getting the Fox stuff early? That would be kind of cool. And does yeah. that mean that there is a possible team up with Thanos to try and stop this threat? Because Annihilus is a pretty powerful character. He he carries around this thing called like the Cosmic Rod, um, and the Cosmic Control Rod to be specific. And it's a pretty powerful weapon. Um, he's been the ruler of the negative zone um, in different iterations, and he's a pretty powerful character. And the MCU always takes its characters and changes it, you know, to suit the story purposes. Mm-hmm. They may make him even more powerful than he really is in the comic books. So, 
is this the greater threat that they're talking about? What do you think, Metatron? I think it would be interesting to see, because when I hear the name Annihilus, I think of everything is going to be laid to waste. Mm -hmm. Everything is just up for grabs. It's going to be gone if this guy gets into the waking world. And I think it'd be interesting to see Thanos t uh, tackle Annihilus with the Avengers, because it is, it's this really cool thing where here you have a character that wants to destroy everything, but Thanos just finished balancing the universe. Yeah. So it'd be like yeah. a, it's it, it works in in that sense, and I I think that'd be a really nice way of explaining why Thanos would even team up with the Avengers. Yeah, and to, Which to he your does point, a lot in the comics. he he mentions a lot in the movie all the sacrifices that he had to make to balance the universe. Yeah, and like now, sacrificing Gamora. Yeah, and Gamora. now to have this guy come and say, you know what? Screw everything. I'm just going to lay waste to the whole thing. Yeah. I would tend to think that he would have a problem with that. Yeah, he's like, I just cleaned up this mess, dude. Why the heck are you going to destroy the whole thing right when I just fixed this problem? Um, so for me, this can kind of come down to how Annihilus is introduced. And and the reason I say that is because, the to me, the reason Thanos was so effective a character is because we've been building up to him for like 10 years. We've been taking all this time from basically, what, the first Avengers movie? Where they, they hinted at him before that, but from the first Avengers movie on, we knew like we were going to get to this point. He's been Thanos sitting in be his chair guy. for a really long time. <laughs> oh, that must yeah. be a really comfortable chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been sitting in that chair forever. And then... You By know, the way, have you seen the, the, the Thor short... Where they, where they showed oh. Purple Guy on chair. <laughs> I don't the think one so. with Thor and his roommate. I thought, I oh, yeah, no, I, I saw something different. I was going to think of, I think it was How It Should Have Ended, where they made fun of the fact that, like, I think it was Ronan was talking to him, and he was like, why don't you get up and do it yourself? He's like, no, this is a comfortable chair. <laughs> how It Should Have Ended is awesome. You guys are great, by the way. Um, but, like, getting, getting back to, like, how it's introduced, because if you look at how Thanos was introduced... He wasn't always the character that he became, and that's fine, because what you said, Walt, is Thanos was definitely more of a complex character. When he was introduced, he was just the guy that was twirling his mustache in the background and cackling at all the evil stuff that he was doing. He's talking <laughs> about, like, calling characters, like, boy, and all this other stuff. Like, he was totally, like, a, a mustachioed villain, like, you know, twirling and, like, twiddling his fingers and, like, cackling, ha 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 But, like, we built up to this... And if they introduce a greater threat in Avengers 4 without any build-up, that would actually kind of upset me. Because this is the thing that's so, again, so unique about the MCU. We've been building to these moments for a long time. And you figure the next phase is going to build to, and this is my opinion, actually. I think it's, if it's going to be cosmic... We're going to get to a point where, obviously, the Fantastic Four is going to be introduced. Phase 4? Fantastic Four. Phase 4, Fantastic yeah. Four. But, and this goes to something that I have, not necessarily as a theory, but as a possibility, as a, as a, a, a credit stinger for Avengers 4, Galactus, man. Yeah. Galactus is Galactus. huge. Galactus is one of the biggest cosmic characters in the MCU. Yeah. So, to me, if you introduce Annihilus, you kind of shoehorn him into Avengers 4 without any real buildup. That's not going to work for me, especially when you have other characters in the cosmic MCU on the horizon mm. that are, in a, in a way, more popular and bigger than he is. 
So that's why it's really, to me, a matter of how it gets done. And if they just say, like, oh, Thanos is a good guy now, which, admittedly, they did sort of set up with the end of Avengers Infinity War, where there can be kind of this moral place where he, he can say, like, and like you said, Meta, where he can be just basically pissed off. Like, why are you messing with the balance that I finally created? You just want to annihilate for no reason. It was such a tender moment seeing him looking out into the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, they, if they set up Thanos to become a good guy, they'll, they'll set him up to be a martyr. And they'll do that so that way they introduce, they introduce the villain uh, to be much more maniacal, to be a greater threat. And one of the things I, um, I haven't heard much talk about, the Infinity Gauntlet's busted up. Yeah. So yeah. no longer are we going to see the power of a god, at least past Avengers 4. After that, it's finished. But, but if you remember, when Thor was with Ytri, there was another mold of, a, of a, an Infinity Gauntlet that was it, unfinished. Wasn't mm -hmm. that a fake? No, the no, fake no, was in, uh, no, the fake was in. The fake, the fake was, was in Asgard. Yeah, right. but I'm talking about when they were building Stormbringer. First, yeah. uh, it Stormbreaker. Was, uh, Stormbreaker. I'm the sorry. Mold. Yeah, there was a mold of an Infinity Gauntlet that they showed very quickly. So technically, yeah, the first one is busted, but maybe Itri can start that that whole production thing again and finish what he started. With the uh, Infinity Gauntlet. I'm sorry, I know that was a Star Wars <laughs> reference, but I had to go there. You know? Petrie is evil. And? Petrie is evil. <laughs> well, yeah, he did Petrie like. He shows up with a new Infinity Gauntlet. He started kicking I'll do around. this myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of you guys ruining my whole forge, so I'm gonna wipe all of you out with a snap. And isn't his hands messed up? Yeah, <laughs> he can't even Listen. use it. <laughs> right. You know, make a, uh, an could... opposable thumb. Infinity Gauntlet. You know what I'm mold his hand itself into a new Infinity Gauntlet, but that that actually doesn't matter if you think about it. That the Infinity Gauntlet is trash, especially if they're going to go into alternate universes and alternate timelines, which it's increasingly looking like. Um, basically, how Ant Man and the Wasp ended, it's it's almost certain, and they could throw a curveball and change how they like fix the whole Thanos problem. But it's looking pretty increasingly likely that the quantum realm and alternate universes and alternate timelines are going to get involved. Which, by the way, if you think about it, that's a perfect way for Marvel to kind of reboot some of the characters and actors that are leaving. They can say, like, oh, Chris Evans is not Captain America. Like, the guy who plays Falcon is Captain America or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, or, or that, you know what I mean? Um, I just want to say something because I know that half of the characters or so, most of the characters in Avengers have pretty much been died yeah. because of Thanos' Thanos's snap. snap. So I heard Walt say that something about Soul World or Soul Realm mm -hmm. and how they were probably sent there. Like you, So when Thanos was sent to this place where it showed little Gamora... The orange place. Yeah, the orange place. Mm-hmm. I believe that might be Soul World, and that's where they have may have been sent, but I'm not sure. This is just a theory. Yeah, so. that's, that's a good theory, yeah, though, it's, because it's in the comics. Mm -hmm. that is and a it's, theory a, in the it's comics. a real good theory because they, like you said, in the movie, they, they had a big emphasis on the Soul Stone. Mm -hmm. The Soul Stone yeah. really got a, ba a good backstory. They had freaking Red Skull guarding the Soul Stone, mm -hmm. and that's the only yeah. <laughs> stone that required something 
a sacrifice. All the other stones, all he did was just grab them, break them, and put them in the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. couldn't, he couldn't do that with the soul stone. He had to show that he was worthy of it. Mm-hmm. And like Elias said, um, in the comics, the soul stone does house, I don't know if you want to call it like a, an alternate universe, a contained pocket universe. Or maybe a different around. dimension. A dimension, but Who knows? like he said, it's it is semantics. soul world. So maybe we're looking in Avengers 4 at the regular MCU universe mm-hmm. and then life, like Elias said, in the soul world. So there's there's that thought. And so on the topic of characters in soul world, mm-hmm. I think soul world is also a really great device to use because... The, the the notion that they're in Soul World implies that they can come back. Mm-hmm. And since we're kind of getting a movie with Spider-Man in the near future, it'd probably be a very good uh, way to bring him back. And speaking about Spider-Man... I'm really looking forward to Spider-Man Far From Home, but I just have to make one last point about Avengers. And this is just my opinion on how it's going to end up, because they do have to get rid of some of the, uh, some of the actors that are playing the roles... Maybe, just maybe, for you comic book fans who know a little bit about the nerdiness that is the entire uh, Infinity Gauntlet and Infinity War, Infinity Stone storylines that exist, uh, it does end up with some of the characters, Thanos being one of them, turning into members of what's called the Infinity Watch, where each of them guards one of the stones. That's a good way to say, like, oh, hey, Chris Evans is Captain America. He's got to go to the other side of the universe to guard this stone now, so... He might not be around, and it's a good way to, if they ever want to, and if Chris Evans ever feels like it, for them to reprise their roles as Captain America or whoever else. That's so an interesting notion. That's just my opinion on what might be the direction that they end up taking it in. But, so we got some set photos that we're looking at for Spider-Man Far From Home, and they wrapped up filming and production, or I should say they wrapped up filming this week, I believe. Yeah, they're, production, in, they're in post-production now. Post-production is going to be starting very soon. And we have some spoilers, or possible spoilers, from what we've seen so far. Um, one of the first things that we've seen, actually, that's kind of interesting, that I think is pretty cool, is that Mysterio looks like he's going to have a relatively, at least, comic accurate costume now I guess from what you guys have seen the only thing that he doesn't have in the costume for those of you that remember the character Mysterio he's got a really weird outfit that might not translate too well to a movie Um, he has this fishbowl helmet he's got like a purple cape and like green gloves and like this green outfit on he looks pretty ridiculous but so far as accurate in that Jake Gyllenhaal has everything but the fishbowl costume or the fishbowl helmet, and I, I kind of like it so far. What do you guys think? I think the gloves actually, you there's 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 certainly a way you can do it. Since Mysterio, if you guys know the character, he's not really a magician. He just poses as one. Yeah. Like he's not the Doctor Strange type who uses magic. Mm-hmm. He's more of illusion magic. Yeah. So to have the gloves, it could be. Slight, slight DC diversion. It could be like a Batman utility belt thing. Yeah. Where the gloves could have, like, some of his different tricks, like smoke bomb. Right. <laughs> or, like, snapping his fingers and, like, sparks come out or something like that. I, I, I mean, I like the costume in general. I don't think the gloves are the issue. I just think, like, if you add that fishbowl helmet, especially when you have an actor like Jake Gyllenhaal, 
um, it would take away a lot from the character. And that's not necessarily always a bad thing where you have a character under a mask because one of the great examples in recent memory is uh, Watchmen with Rorschach. That guy mm-hmm. was under a mask for the whole movie. And yeah, the mask moved around and stuff like that. But with an actor like Jackie Earl Haley who has that kind of talent, yeah, you could certainly pull it off where like you don't see the character's face for very long. But to me, like, imagine Jake Gyllenhaal, like, basically wearing, again, a fishbowl or, a, like, a spacesuit helmet on his head. It would just take away a little bit too much from the character for me, which is why I'm happy the costume is somewhat accurate, but not all the way accurate. You see, as, as a Spidey fan myself, I'm actually, I'd be disappointed if they didn't include the fishbowl fish <laughs> helmet. <laughs> because the fishbowl helmet, or mask, it's... It's so iconic to Mysterio. It is what he's known for. Mm-hmm. He, he's known as the loser villain. But, <laughs> and that's, that's the whole point. Because Spidey the, the Spidey... the first thing Spidey says to Mysterio... He doesn't even call him Mysterio. He calls him Fishbowl. So to, to take that away is, is to violate Mysterio. It's like to remove comedy from Deadpool. Um, but, that, but that... However... I am so happy that they are sticking with what they are to the comics as accurate as it is. However, there's Spidey, the current Disney Spidey, mm-hmm. has been, on, on the topic of modernizing it, making it much more friendly to the cinema, mm-hmm. the Vulture redesign was very, very well done. Yes. yes. Compared to the Great. comic look... It, it matched cinemas perfectly. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to talk about introducing Mysterio as this character who is the exact opposite of Doctor Strange, where Doctor Strange is serious, Mysterio is a laughing stock. <laughs> but, but Mysterio knows this. And so where Doctor Strange has actual magic, Mysterio doesn't. How, does he, how do we handle this? How do we handle it in the same fashion that Vulture doesn't have actual wings? <laughs> well, we give him tech. Mm-hmm. Just like they did... We, we introduce him the same way they developed the, sh- uh, the Shocker. And so, why wouldn't it make sense for these, these little suits, these little minor technological things? Magicians use them all the time, and that's what Mysterio's all about. And hopefully the way that they, they roll this in, um, hopefully they're using the character Quentin Beck. Um, he's the guy that was the failed Hollywood stuntman mm. into special effects. And the cool thing about it is that maybe the way that you um, tie it back to the first one, you had the Tinkerer in the first movie, Mm -hmm. which is the one that built all the tech. Mm -hmm. And um, looking at the way that they have the cape in the set photos, it has kind of like a Chitauri design, which blends in perfectly with the Tinkerer because what were they using? They were using Chitauri tech to make their, their costumes, shockers, you know, Shot outlets and yeah. stuff like that, so it's a good way. And like you said, this Mysterio is probably not a magic guy. He's most definitely a tech guy, which bleeds into the greater theme of Spider-Man, where they're using tech from the incident, yeah. mm-hmm. the Battle of New York, and making costumes to augment and give them powers to do whatever it is that they they're doing. Um, I think that. You know, as kind of a happy medium where you can have the fishbowl helmet, I think what they could do is you can definitely have it as a little bit of a comedic moment. And, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal can definitely play a character that's pathetic but still very complex. So you you can you definitely hit the nail on the head that it would be awesome if he kind of played that character the same way in the comics. 
and they didn't change that too much. But it's kind of like, um, it could be a funny moment, like in Luke Cage, where he puts on like the outfit that looks like his comic book outfit. He looks in the mirror and he's like, I look ridiculous, and he basically walks out. I'm not saying it has to be that played for that much comedy, but I think... You know, with, without removing the fishbowl helmet entirely, I think it could be in there, but I think it could be handled more like how they handled, Thor, hand, handled Thor's helmet. Because, you know, Thor basically all but discards <coughs> the helmet eventually because people start to realize. I think the reason actually was because Chris Hemsworth hated wearing that helmet because it was uncomfortable. Mm. But also, in general, people said, you know what, maybe we don't need the helmet anymore because it, you know, the character for the most part is comic accurate but the helmet is kind of where the costume goes off the rails. At least in my opinion, that might be how they can still have the fishbowl, have a great moment with it, pay homage to the character. Jake Gyllenhaal can do a great job, but we'd still get to see the character's face throughout the, throughout the movie. Just uh, a closing comment on the issue of um, Mysterio. I think a better way to include the fish helmet is since Mysterio <laughs> is going to be the... So he he's obviously going to be a theatric. I think that maybe he starts off the movie as okay, he doesn't have the helmet but he's the theatric. But as like the grand finale, he wears the fishbowl and it's central to cuz you know, every villain has like uh haha, this is my device and it's going to be the best device I've ever made. Oh, like a and, magneto helmet maybe? Yeah, so the helmet the could powers. be like central to whatever act he's putting off at the end. And it'd be like maybe a control hub kind of thing. Kind of like an Iron Man. Yeah, Iron yes, Man. Like that. That. That's Where what I'm thinking. Hood and all that stuff. Yes, you exactly. Know? That makes mm, sense. Yeah, and it does say that the that looking at the cape, or I should say looking at the cape, it, it seems like it might be like in Homecoming where they basically, where, where Vulture salvaged the Chitari tech it looks like that might be the case with part of Mysterio's costume in this one. And by the way, I want to say that that's brilliant that they did that. I just have to mention that again. I love how Homecoming, they turned Vulture into a literal vulture, a scavenger. That was a really cool detail mm, to me. Yeah. yeah. Speaking about the other costumes, uh, we have a couple of good looks at Spider-Man's multiple new costumes. Um, one of them pays homage to Superior Spider-Man. That's the, the black and the red suit. No, no. Un unacceptable. Sorry, guys. I, I find that unacceptable. <laughs> Go for it, Metatron. Why is I'm, that? <laughs> get him. Okay, so the whole thing with the superior Spider-Man, because that's the look they're going for, is that in the comics, um, I believe the storyline goes Octavius, Otto Octavius, who's the Dr. Octopus, he gets sick with something, and so his body is dying. So he basically takes advantage of how nice Spider-Man is and he actually possesses him for a great deal of time. Is it a possession or is it a body swap? It's so, it's a body swap. It's a body swap. Yeah. yeah. Just want to make sure. And so, and the Superior Spider-Man is supposed to be like a very calculating, darker version of Spider-Man. First, first of all, to to put this costume in the movie, it, it'd be confusing because for those of us who like the comics. Where, where is Dr. Octopus in this universe, first of all? He's nowhere. Second of all, does that mean he's going to be a little... Is, is he going to be different? Because dying, when you die, that, that's an experience that changes someone. <laughs> does that mean that Spider-Man is going to, like, 
have his worldview rocked and he's going to be a darker version of Spider-Man? We don't want that. Well, on on that point, like one of the things that has I think it's been confirmed is that Spider-Man Far From Home takes place right after Thanos' snap. So that could be a way that could be a way to change the Spider-Man universe a little bit, add characters that weren't there before and have an explanation for it, but also that could explain I mean, I don't know how much of a memory you're going to have from when you like got turned into dust and disappeared from the universe, but maybe Spider-Man is going to be a little bit bitter because he was dead. One never knows. Or he could be in the soul world, like Elias said. That's a possibility, too. Um, and he was one of the few characters that realized he was getting dusted. And because, according to yeah. what they said, he was so powerful, he actually resisted the dusting long enough to say his goodbye and the spidey sense too they said was a part of it exactly that's why he like sensed that he was gonna go and just one other thing about that costume because of Tom Holland's uh, pension we should say for or penchant excuse me for spoiling things maybe they're just putting random costumes in the movie so that he can throw people off of the trail one never knows either I doubt that that's just an out there possible theory, but who knows? But that that costume looks like it's a, a meld of two different costumes because it's not only the uh, the superior Spider-Man costume, but you have the white emblem, uh, emblem, which yeah. is uh, reminiscent of the PS4 video game that just came out, Spider-Man. So it looks like they're taking the two suits and kind of mashing them together. Right. Right, right. And it could be a, a, a weird multiverse thing, too. Who the heck knows where they're going with this movie? Because if you think about them starting right after the snap... The MCU is too complex a beast to try and fully understand. Yeah, that's true. I don't know if I could write any of this stuff, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, even though I don't know if I could write any of this stuff, one thing that we should mention, that if you're coming up with any kind of story for this, for this new movie, or if you're coming up with a theory about it, uh, which is kind of like writing the story anyway, is there, there are some set photos that, that tease at some of the other villains in the Sinister Six. Doc Ock, of course, being one of the main original members of the Sinister Six, if I'm not mistaken. So they did tease a little bit about Hydro-Man maybe being in the movie, and we have to remember that in the first Spider-Man movie, in Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, Shocker was there. Um, who else was in that? Uh, the yeah, uh, Vulture. We had Vulture, Vulture, of course, right? Scorpion. And then Scorpion was introduced. They weren't the actual villains yet, but if they're being introduced, or if they were introduced already, heck, it's possible that they could have a story behind why he has the red and black costume if Doc Ock does get introduced. Yeah, you introduced half of the Sinister Six in the first movie. Right, right. As long as it's not Rhino, which was absolutely terrible in the Amazing Spider-Man Ooh, movies. The less said about that, the better. <laughs> I don't like that set of movies in general. Like, just the first one, what they did to Lizard. Oh, my God, yeah. dude. Yeah. Lizard, poor Peter Parker. <laughs> no, no, not even that. Just, just the way he looks. Lizard, I know. What lizard is isn't thing? supposed to look like a person. He's supposed to look like a freaking lizard. That's, a crocodile. If anything, whatever. that is the failing of the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Probably one of the biggest ones. The villains were... Terrible. Like, what was it? Green Goblin was that guy wasn't very good. Oof. Like, he was way like, and I know that that Willem Dafoe was campy, but this guy was a whole nother level of campy. Jamie Foxx as like a pathetic electro, terrible. And this goes back to like changing the the look of a character, and then 
we should seg into something else. No. Um, well, I guess you'll make one last point, Meta, and then we can move into something else. But I had this conversation with a friend of mine the other day, and it's true. Sometimes you really do have to change the look because rhino's a good example. What, are you going to have a guy in a rhino costume walk out and fight Spider-Man? You had to give him a little bit of a different look. I hated the look that they gave him. That robot suit was really dumb looking. But sometimes you do have to make some slight changes. And we live in an age right now where we can lean into the comic book craziness of it. You know, if if this was back in the 90s where everything had to be grounded, you had the X-Men in black leather, Mm -hmm. then maybe you couldn't do that. But we live in an age where there's a raccoon running around in space. (laughs) You can can lean into the crazy, the Kirby style, the Jack Kirby style um, artwork and, and, you know, those type of things because people can accept that now. On, On an awkward... To, to, to take that point and kind of see it horribly destroyed. <laughs> and it's just that um, Amazing Spider-Man tried to do that, introduce all these weird and new things. Like They just didn't do it very well, though. One of the things which I find hilarious is that uh, the creators, when they were thinking up a possible third movie for mm-hmm. The Amazing Spider-Man, they were thinking about creating a serum that could possibly bring people back from the dead and so they were thinking about bringing uh, Gwen Stacy's father back to haunt physically Peter. Oh, yeah, it's really good that we that yeah. didn't continue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we need that to. So... If there's any grounding that these comic book films should stay to, it is the comics because that's what people are coming for. That's what people want to see, and it's what. It is also what the company would want because it's what's going to bring them more money in the future. It sets up for itself, as Disney has so beautifully shown us. Mm-hmm. On the topic of whacked-out movie universes, DC has some news. So word around the DC block is that James Gunn is moving to DC after being previously fired from Marvel. Travesty. And he's yes. <laughs> and he's going to be writing the next Suicide Squad film. Ooh. What do you guys think about that? I personally think that that could be awesome. I think that it kind of sucked the circumstances for which James Gunn got fired. Yeah, he said some messed up stuff like a long time ago. But hey, like who didn't say messed up stuff a long time ago, especially in the time where people were really trying to make these like politically incorrect jokes for humor and nobody really cared? I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it does kind of suck because James Gunn made Guardians of the Galaxy super awesome. He like basically he redefined how you can make like a superhero movie on an ensemble like comedic style. And Suicide Squad could actually, I mean, they tried to do humor in the first Suicide Squad. It didn't work because of how they changed things in the middle of production, how they basically ended up having a company that cut trailers, edit the whole movie. I think we're all in agreement that that was one of the things that that contributed to Suicide Squad being a total mess. I think the company was called Trailer Park. (laughs) And that's exactly what we got. We got Trailer Park trash. Um, But James Gunn definitely knows how to write direct and handle all the aspects of bringing all these different characters together with all these great personalities. He also knows how to how to subtly alter the characters from the comic books because 
well, based on who's playing them, because Star-Lord isn't really, or didn't start as, as much of a comedian as he is in Guardians of the Galaxy. He does make quips and stuff like that, but you know, when you have an actor like Chris Pratt, you got to let him use his comedic chops. And I think that's why, like, for James Gunn, moving over to DC is a great reboot for him. He can jump back into an awesome property. Uh, he can take another property that's not, even though Suicide Squad already had its first movie, that's not as well known like he did with Guardians of the Galaxy, and make it into something new and awesome and emotional and dramatic and, and cool action and funny. Or the characters that do need to be funny can shine in their comedic moments and play off of other characters that are supposed to be a little more serious. So for me, I think personally that it's kind of an awesome thing. What do you guys think? Well, like, it's interesting because the movie was originally supposed to be directed by Gavin O'Connor, mm -hmm. and there was a screenplay written by among some. There was there was a group of writers, but one of them was Todd Stashwick, which you guys will know as um, playing parts in Gotham and 12 Monkeys on sci-fi, um, that script was actually done and presented to DC and they basically rejected it because it, it kind of trended too closely to Birds of Prey, which is the first movie that's actually coming out. Mm -hmm. So they kind of they scrapped that and they went and turned to James Gunn um, to see if he can write it out. Right now, he's only attached to writing a treatment to the to the film, he's not. Or that's that's he's, he's not, discussing right, right. He's not directing it as yet. Right. But typically, what happens is you if you have a guy that's writing it, and especially a guy like James Gunn, most likely he direct. will direct mm -hmm. it. So he might as well. Yeah, exactly. Point. And like you said before, um, he knows how to deal with these ensemble type movies because mm -hmm. he did Guardians both 1 and 2 mm -hmm. um, Guardians 1 was really really good Guardians 2 not as good but still a really good movie yeah I um, agree so he and, and the, the good thing about it is that it's going to be his take he's not going to necessarily lean into the first movie and we may even get a different cast of characters you know that'd be a little um, weird well, the Suicide Squad has I always been a very benefit. fluid. Yeah, the Suicide Squad really has always been a very fluid group. It's yeah. never been. Oh right, well that's true. Like, yeah, you have characters come in and out. Not I necessarily mean, recasting so much as like different people. Right. So you can have King Shark ha as at one point was mm -hmm. was a part of the Suicide Squad, I believe. Um, Bronze Tiger. Bronze Tiger. Um, the girl from F Flash right now. Killer Frost. Killer Frost was was another. So you can have a Suicide Squad that still remains within that DC universe mm -hmm. but with different characters they should make uh, they should have the Joker in it and have Joaquin Phoenix play the Joker because that looks like it's going to be awesome well, but, that would be crazy but that would be like a little bit out good. there too yeah. I think I don't know what do you guys think looking at Suicide Squad and then from my own tastes looking at the entirety of the DC cinematic universe is like looking uh, for any of you who play video games it's like looking at Bungie's Destiny it's just a mess and a disappointing mess <laughs> yeah. because we see all these beautiful concepts we see these things that we want to fall in love with and they're horribly perverted <laughs> they did I'm sorry I have to agree with yeah. half, half over here it's sad but true because I, I, I looked at Suicide Squad and it's a disappointing film oh man and I look towards the future and I don't have high expectations. I don't want to see the film, 
I don't want. Honestly, I don't look forward to any DC cinematics <laughs> anymore. Like the the animated ones are okay, but Aquaman here, looks okay. Aquaman looks okay. That's that's the thing. DC seem does seem to be picking up its game more recently. I am looking. I I lie. I am looking forward to Shazam. Yes, Shazam I'm seems on it, like. But I can see how it's gonna be good. I can see it. It looks like it's finally hitting that balance on what a superhero film for the DC universe needs to be. What What is that balance? That balance. Think? Well, before there was always these awkward. There was comedy that never hit. Yeah. There was like Batman saying his superpower was being rich. That's a terrible and joke. And there's. And the characters just they were never honest to what they were or their or their or their concept. Batman shouldn't use guns. That like even if he doesn't kill people with them, it is horribly upsetting DC fans and it's a betrayal to them. Mm-hmm. So Hafa, let me ask you this question. Do you think um Warner Brothers with its DC universe has lost its currency with the fans? Justice League didn't do very well, and that's something that a lot of people I know was looking forward to. To me being among them, all their characters brought together, and it was a failure in terms of box office. Um, It made money, but not the kind of money that they were looking at. Do you think that they're losing their currency with their fans, and that's going to hurt future films going forward? Well, here's here's when when we take a look at that there's there's two there's two ways that you can divide that in my opinion because we talk about DC fans we have the general fans who are like this is a really nice superhero film this this company's doing cool and you know th- those people are getting let down over and over again and then you get the DC fans who are coming in from the comics or who maybe are like a general fan but have really gotten hooked and normally i notice DC fans are much stronger hooked than your casual marvel fan they, yeah. they really do hold on to it because it's their childhood much stronger than Iron Man is. I, I personally find that ironic, but it's their tastes. Well, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. If, the way I see it now, for the masses, I can easily vouch that considering how well Marvel is doing right now, we were just going on raving about how great uh, everybody is looking forward to Avengers 4. Mm-hmm. I don't know a single person who's not. I yeah. can't say the same thing for Shazam. I can't say the same thing for Aquaman. No. If they screw these next two films up, it's over. It's over. It's DC over. Universe is over as they're, we know it. They're gonna have to reboot it entirely. And especially with all these these rumors going around with Cavill and Affleck, may who may or may not reprise their roles again. Um, if Shazam doesn't do well, that's the next one up on the slate. Is they're gonna have a tough sell going forward trying to keep that universe together. And I just want to—I want to piggyback on something you said, and I don't want to get too deep into this because this is a can of worms we can open in a future conversation, and I, I definitely want to hear what Meta thinks. But I think that you—you, you, without even realizing it, kind of touched on the why Marvel is a success story because Marvel was able to tap in not just into the hardcore fans, but into the casual ones, yeah, super casual fans that never cared about Marvel, all of a sudden are like just love these movies or absorb the movies they didn't care about superheroes because you have a movie for everybody yeah, in the Marvel they, Cinematic Universe they made the Guardians of the Galaxy fashionable right a lot of, there's a lot of hardcore fans who don't even know who the Guardians were before this <laughs> exactly you know? yeah. exactly and, and, and you know they have they have movies that are comedic they have like spy thrillers like your your Captain America um, the Captain America um, the, the Winter Soldier, Soldier excuse Winter me Soldier. 
so you have a different movie for everyone. DC has has been playing to the hardcore fan, but then subverting their expectation and ruining it horrible with fashion. stuff like you said, like Batman using guns. And even though I kind of understand why Superman did it, like when we're getting all the way back to where this launched, I kind of understand and didn't really hate the moment where Superman kills Zod. He's somewhat justified, if you know the character, like he might do that to save a life, even though thematically before that they kind of ruined it because they were trashing the whole city. You could say he couldn't do much about that because, hey, he's fighting the super hard guy. He can't be like, hey, let's go in this direction and fight over here. But like that kind of touches upon why maybe Marvel is so successful and DC has just dropped the ball at every single turn. But I don't want to get too far off that. I I will say one thing. Um, The DC Universe has inherently a problem itself. Not movie-wise, but character-wise. The thing about that endears a lot of people to Marvel and why a lot of people love the characters of Spider-Man and things of that nature is that these are characters that people can relate to. They're yeah. the everyday person. Mm-hmm. You know, they they face everyday problems. You know, Peter Parker, he's a high school student. You know, he's mm-hmm. dealing with bullying and homework and stuff like that. The problem with the DC universe and why, going back to the Marvel universe, it's so hard to make a Hulk movie, is because you're looking at characters that are super powered that are gods that you know how do you how do you relate to a character like that you know you look at superman superman's an alien that has the power to obliterate earth you know he's super so strong you know wonder woman these are characters that are that are not relatable and so dc has a little bit of that problem because you're trying to adapt characters that we can't relate to as as an audience. You know, we could look at Spider Man and say, "Hey, I went through that." I can't yeah. look at Superman and say, "Hey, I went through that." You know. Well, see, here's the thing with that. I think that what a lot of people focus on on the DC characters is their power. But if you really look hard, then you can see that there are some relatable things. Like when you look at the movie Man of Steel, what what do you see? Superman struggles with isolation because he has all this power. Mm-hmm. But isolation is something that we also deal with day to day. I mean, if you're not mm-hmm. like if you're struggling with sociability, that that's that's another contributing factor to like isolation, you know? But and none of can... the films dive into that. Yes. Not a, that's but what I, I don't say. think I don't think that that's an inherent problem with the DC universe though, cuz I take a look at areas, because first off, Superman and the entirety of the DC cast has been developed. It's there. The problem is exploring it and to to claim whether or not it's there and is relatable to the people. Mm -hmm. When we explore a god, because that's what Superman is, he's consistently been shown to be the god among man. Sure. I take a look and I'm reminded of Dr. Manhattan and how that's an incredibly nuanced character who's human. And consistently we see Kal-El be faced against whether or not he is this god among man, whether or not he is this alien off-worlder, or <coughs> if he's the small farm boy. And I think Zack Snyder was trying to lean into that godlike like theory because a lot of the... When he was doing his take on Superman and Man of Steel, 
there was a lot of images that reflected that, you know, him up in the air and and people just looking at him and genuflecting before him. And you had even Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor, yeah. Talking about our gods, you know, our demons don't come from below, they come from above. Mm -hmm. That is such a great quote, by the way. Yeah, that's that's one of the only things that he says that's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not the only thing, but... I mean... uh, Like the actor, just don't play Lex. Yeah, 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 that's definitely true. He has a better place somewhere else. I think, though, that... And then maybe we can get your thoughts, Meta, on on James Gunn specifically before you know we get too off the rails. You can talk about DC and why they why they dropped the ball forever, but I think that's why that's why Wonder Woman succeeded because they found a good way to relate this godlike character to humanity. It 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 connected her in a much more personal and emotional way, whereas Superman still. He's kind of supposed to have a little bit of a separation, but Superman really does try to exist in the world more so as a normal person, as a Clark Kent. Um, it kind of like turns the, the persona on its head because Superman is who he really is, and Clark Kent is his mask, is his costume. And I think that that was something that kind of worked with Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is who she is. That's her real persona. And Diana Prince was the mask was the mask that she wore to hide from the world. I think that if they had done a little bit more with developing Clark Kent and indeed all the other DC characters as people, because they're all gods, and that's the thing, like you said about DC, that all this, the people in the Justice League except for Batman, which, which is another interesting dynamic, they're all basically gods among men, and then with you have Marvel, they're men who become gods. It's the exact opposite. They're people who acquire these powers, whereas DC just has their origin as like, I'm this godlike being. And I Shazam. exist among men. Shazam is one of the one of the opposite examples, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a kid who gains the power of Shazam. But I guess, yeah, to me, that's kind of why it could work. But DC has consistently not used that model, and then maybe that's why Wonder Woman can turn things around. But I really want to kind of like wrap things up, Meta, with with what you think, Meta, about like James Gunn joining the DCEU, what your take on it is, and what could happen in the future maybe as a result of this new approach which is more is more driven also by what Marvel did where they took these smaller directors James Gunn is not that small anymore where they took these like smaller directors that have these smaller projects and asked them to create something totally new in Marvel that seems like what they're doing with James Gunn granted they're doing it with somebody who's established but to me, that seems like the goal. I don't know. What do you What do you think about the James Gunn news? Well, my my thoughts are this: for one, by just looking at what he did at Guardians alone, I think he can definitely pull off pull mm-hmm. it off. Mm-hmm. And the way he did the villains too, it, it was pretty well balanced. Yes. Like you had Ronan. Sure, he was a little bit powerful because he had the hammer thing, and and then when he got the Infinity Stone, it was like oh. But they eventually Mm -hmm. coped with that. What I don't want to see in this upcoming movie is the Suicide Squad fighting a ridiculously (coughs) overpowered being like the Enchantress. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want that. A good example of a good Suicide Squad movie is um, Suicide Squad Hell to Pain. If you want an example, look to that. Is that an animated movie? Yes, it's one of the animated movies. All the animated ones are better. Yes. (laughs) Guys, if you have the chance, just watch it. But otherwise, in terms of James Gunn uh, writing it or hopefully directing it, I hope he does that 
because just it, it got such a bad rap the first time. And Suicide Squad has the potential to be good. It does. It really does. It does. They did pick some good actors for yes. some of them. So that always screams potential to me a little bit. Not yeah. always, not always, but like it could turn into something better. Yes. So just uh, to wrap that note, James Gunn, you're holding one of my babies. Please do it justice. <laughs> <laughs> and that was this edition of the Pizza Party episode. I really, I, I really enjoyed having our guest speakers here, Hafa and uh, Elias. Elias, with us. Oh. Thank you for joining yeah. us. Thank and you. Hey, thank you. If you well, guys want to join us in the future, that would be pretty awesome too. Whenever you can. Thank you, Elias. Thank you, Hafa. Um, I'm Jose. It was really great having a conversation with all you guys again today. Hafa, why don't you say goodbye to the people? Adios, amigos. Peace out. Elias, say goodbye to all of our friends on the internet. Bye. Peace. Walt, what do you have to say for yourself today? Just got one thing to say. May the force be with you. And also with you. Check us out on Twitter. Make sure to look us up at PCOP Podcast. That's at PCOP Podcast. You can find us on Anchor. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pop Culture Over Pizza. From Pop Culture Over Pizza and an entire crew, I just want to say to all of y'all, peace. Later. Later.